because I was barely three and a half years old at the time. I came into my parents' bedroom that morning. My mother was crying. Not sobbing or inconsolable, just weeping quietly next to the radio. I remember asking her why she was sad. And my parents explained that a very nice man had just died in a car accident, and they were playing his song. I don't specifically remember the song that was playing. I'm pretty sure it was probably Cats in the Cradle. And the very nice man was Harry Chapin. It's certainly the first celebrity death that I remember. And it was perhaps the first time I realized that music was not only fun, but it was also important. The people who made music were important too. Now, years later, I look back at this, this seminal moment in my life and think that it may have been the beginning, the very beginning of me wanting to play and write music. And long before I began exploring Harry's extensive catalog, long before I picked up a guitar myself, I understood the impact that this very nice man could have on someone I loved, my mother. Someone who would never meet him or even know much about him personally. At three and a half, I obviously couldn't comprehend this, but I remember, remember vividly, knowing this was somehow new knowledge for me and somehow important. Remember when the music brought us all together to stand inside the rain. And as we joined our hands, we would meet in the refrain. We had hopes to give. We had dreams to live. Now our theme for the entire month of November is memory. And I find in my relationship with Harry, again, a man I would never meet or even hear perform live, my relationship with Harry is an integral part of how I see, how I understand, and how I remember. Harry's music was nothing if not nostalgic something he was criticized for when he was alive, but unlike some of the more sappy, commercial, and heavily produced second-generation folk of the 1970s, his music is always genuine. 
Remember when the music was the best of what we dreamed of for our children's time. And as we sang, we worked for time was just a line, a gift we saved, a gift the future gave. Now we've heard today just a couple of reflections from last week's service dedicated to our sacred history, the sacred history of liberal religion in Kenosha in general and Bradford Community Church specifically. How social activism around the war brought folks into this community. How we connect with each other and ourselves. And it's a sad fact that Far too often in our society, we lose this connection. We lose this connection to our past. The living generations are more isolated today than they've really ever been throughout human history. We ship our babies off to daycare when they're merely weeks old. We ship our elderly to nursing facilities outside our homes. Our young adults travel all over the place jobs and school after departing their, their families of origin. And the rest of us, caught in the middle, are often too busy with the day-to-day -to, -day to stop and be, keep track of it all. We communicate in distinctly generational-specific ways. If you're over the age of 50, well, congratulations, you are the last generation to write and mail letters. My Generation X is all about the email, and increasingly young folks don't even have email accounts and use texting and social media almost exclusively. Of course, access to information and other media is, is similarly delineated. The four network broadcast news cycle of the 20th century increasingly replaced by streaming live media, which is at once both more immediate and less accurate than previous iterations of journalism. And without this direct interaction with each other, without this direct interaction with our older and youngest generations, it is increasingly difficult to think about anything but the present day. The checklist of stuff we must do before our head hits the pillow tonight in losing these generational connections, we are literally losing our connections to the past and to our future. Remember when the music was a rock that we could cling to so we'd not despair. And as we sang, we knew we'd hear an echo we were smiling then, and we would smile again. But what's so amazing about this space, this space, created 150 years ago, recreated in 1907, and then recreated again in 1993, and then recreated again every Sunday morning since is that we are the music.
We are the rock to which we cling, so we need not despair. This year, where a month ago, almost exactly a month ago, we celebrated the 100th birthday of one of our founding members in V. Lundgren. At the same time, we welcomed our newest religious seeker, born in the preceding week in David Calvin. Even within our own families, this space is unique in that it does represent all the living generations in a way that is far, far too uncommon in the rest of our lives. While much of the time we could be blissfully ignorant of our past and future, it is impossible when confronted with two singular lives, bees and Calvin's, that stand to span three centuries between them. Think about that first. Remember when the music was the glow on the horizon of every newborn day. And as we sang, the sun came up to chase the dark away. And the light was good, for we knew we could. In this space of union and reconciliation, this space of worship and community, we are drawn, I hope, to hope, that the newborn day offers us unique opportunities to make these 24 hours slightly better than the last and that our commitment to love might grow if only a little bit every time that sun peeks its head over Lake Michigan. That every week we begin our seven-day trek through life in this space and with these people, sharing in our lives most important moments, grieving each other's losses and celebrating our own and others' successes and joys. Remember when the music brought the night across the valley as the day went down. And as we hung the melody, we'd be safe inside the sound. And so we'd sleep. We had dreams to keep. As human beings, we know that our time is temporary. And despite this understanding, we address it very little in our everyday lives. Again, our, our sick, our ill, our aging are isolated from us. And many of us walk through life as if it weren't the precious, fleeting gift that it is. We have pain and sor sorrow, we have joy and elation and everything in between, but we often disregard or simply ignore the very real implications of our own mortality. Religion in general has been said to come out of a deep human need to make sense of life and create some comfort in the realization and recognition of death. In this way, ours is 
no different than any other faith, yet ours is one of the few. One of the few that focus, focuses almost entirely on what we do in the time we have right now. We don't promise believers a space in the unending paradise of heaven, but we also don't condemn everyone else to the infinite tortures of hell. We know that the cycle of life and death is one complete circle, neither completely erasing the other, always churning through the seasons of the earth and ourselves. The comfort we glean from our faith is not the promise of something yet to come, but rather the recognition of the beauty that is, that we all have the opportunity to make a positive impact on someone or something else that might last long after we ourselves have gone. The proverbial ripple in the pond that touches not only the surface where the pebble is thrown, but eventually tickles the entirety of the water. If only we might remember our connection to and with each other and the world, if only we might remember that spectacular gift of life we enjoy. If only we might remember that we are part of something bigger than ourselves, that is more significant than the sum of its parts, then we, too, will live in the memory of the world. Remember when the music Came from wooden boxes strung with silver wire. And as we sang the words, they would set our souls on fire. And we believed in names. And so we'd sing. 